Okay, happy Palm Sunday. Here we go. Lots, so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Just stop where you are, and then you can just keep going. Just stop, we'll pray, and then I've got so much to talk to you about. <clears throat> he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and bore the sin of many. Isaiah fifty three twelve. Lord God, Heavenly Father, who of your fatherly mercy spared not your only begotten Son, but gave him up to death and to the cross, we beg you, send your Holy Spirit into our hearts through your word and sacrament that we may heartily be comforted by his grace, be on guard against all sin, and patiently bear whatever you send us to suffer, that through him we may live forever with you and your Son, energized by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, that's, uh, that's good. Uh, so many little things to think about. So... The baskets, you know, we had five people who went off to help in New Jersey. They came back safely. They're around about this morning, although if they had any sense at all, they'd be in bed. Uh, but uh, I actually saw some of them in church. What? Well, ma- you were home at 630? We were home at 630. Well, that's, you know, okay, in bed by 7. Okay, that's good. You can come to church then. If you put money in the basket, uh, we'll support them to, you know, just kind of defray their expenses and help uh, gas and food and those kinds of things. Uh, we'd like to be the kind of congregation that it doesn't require you to be, you know, rich to go on a mission trip or doesn't quite require you to be rich to, you know, go serve somebody else. So when we put money in, you know, and if you have an interest in going somewhere and get an idea, um, you know, it's good for you to kind of work with that and then see if St. John can support you. So that's a really, really good thing. So this morning the money will go to them. Uh, we sent uh, $10,706 to Russia this week. Uh, so that's kind of cool. They had asked for uh, $25,000, but they were happy to get ten. Um, they needed $10,000 for their summer camp, which we... So here's the deal we made with the Russians long ago, far away. You know, we were right at the beginning of starting that church uh, and kind of getting them going. We've given them lots of money over the years. We support one pastor, about $5,000 a year. And then somehow we sort of got roped into supporting their summer camp every summer, and we you know, give them about $10,000 for that. Or I try to find other congregations who will go in. Uh, Sometimes Bethany Naperville has helped with that. We kind of did the whole thing this time, but if they get other people, that's great. And they actually bought this piece of land inside a national park in Russia, and so they have a place to go. And they get, you know, 100 kids out, and that's a pretty good deal if you can get 100 kids for a week or 10 days and in a place that's just really pagan um, and and sort of against the gospel. So um, now the thing about that is, is, uh, just so you know, uh, where that money came from, um, when there was an endowment, some money would be thrown off and it wasn't spent over the years and it kind of built up. But the endowment is virtually, is really all gone because it was spent on the move and spent for land and all kinds of things. And that was all. So we won't have that in the future. Now, the good news is, is that, and it'll be fun to have a voters meeting in a month or so. The good news will be that there'll be, you know, we're in the black and actually um, things are, just so you know, uh, the land next door is supposed to close on, I think, the 8th of April. So in about a week or so, all of that will sell next door. Um, it's, it's being sold to a school uh, run by the Catholics for autistic children. So we're very, very happy to have them as our next-door neighbors because we'll be good neighbors to them and they'll be good neighbors to us. Uh, keep that to yourselves for another eight days. But, uh, you know, they all know it because they've announced it to their folks. But anyway... That will sell. Some stuff will be refinanced. The numbers will be all cleaned up. And, you know, in a month or so, there'll be a voters' meeting or maybe a little longer. I don't quite know when it'll get called. And that'll all just kind of be laid out for you. But just so you don't get surprised, um, 
you know, the sign will come down not because it didn't sell, but because it did sell. So what will happen then is thinking forward now, we'll think about, again, about mission projects, about things we want to do, about things we want to do for kids. And the governing board has already just begun to take their first swipes at that, at getting that all cleaned up. In all those things, we want to always be looking, you know, what we can do locally, nationally, and internationally. So there are other possibilities. One of the things that Dr. Justin and I talked about last week for during the men's retreat was there's a little tiny mission starting in Spain, kind of the way a little tiny mission started in Russia 15 years ago. We were kind of the ground floor of that. You know, he's going to go, I think, meet in May and see whether or not we would be maybe sponsors of this very early mission. And, um, you know, I'd probably have to take 10 or 12 people to drink sangria and check it out. Uh, <laughs> we'd have to eat local food and speak a lot of Spanish and make sure that it was a proper place for the little baby Jesus. So that probably is coming up. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens, okay? Really, I'm not kidding you. So... Um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about whether that would actually work out in, this, in the way that we did work camps in England or other places a couple of times. Okay, so love the alert people. If you think you want to go someplace someday, come talk to me or, you know, talk to Carol, who's ever in charge. We'll, you know, if we have money, we'll help you, help you go because it's great that people will give a whole week of their life to help other people, and we'll get the pictures up as quickly as we can. Okay, so alert money, endowment money, next door money, uh, let's see, and voters meeting to come to explain all that more crisply, but at least so you, you know um, what's going on there. All right. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Um, no casualties this morning from the sword fighting. That was good. Uh, about the only thing that could go wrong is if your kid hugs the font. It was, I was curious to see that there was both splashing and the first kid who floated his across the font. That was very interesting. Kind of like <laughs> palms going to the new world, right? If, right you know. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I probably have told you this story. I think I remember. You remember? See, I'm old enough to remember when Tupperware came out. I've told you this story, right? I told this story that my mom bought Tupperware. She was very happy. I lived in the country at that time. She made me lunch. I'd go with my pals, and it was back when we could tear around all over the place. And, and we moved to the city in fifth grade, so this is like way young. We were everywhere, and she made me this lunch, this great Tupperware thing. Like we had our lunch way out by some creek, and then, hey, we floated the Tupperware down the creek. <laughs> Because it was so cool. I can remember it going off into the Cedar River. Like, that is so, that Tupperware stuff is so cool. Look how far that will float. New technology. We just weren't, you know, we weren't quite as good with it as we should. So, uh, you know, things can happen. So, anyway, there's Bible study this week. There's not Bible study next week. Then we'll sort of carry on after that. We'll see where that takes us. Um, There's all kinds of stuff in the back, back there. Um, there's about a dozen people signed up to go to France. If you're interested in France, I'm not going to beat that horse for too long, but if you're interested in going, you know, let me know. There's other things. I kind of left everything out there that was there, the tailor, the stuff from the president. Um, we'll kind of clean up the balance of this, and then we'll take a, a week off. I was, um, did anybody else ask me to say anything that I didn't say yet? I'm trying to remember. Yes, okay, Karen Crawford. You didn't ask me to say anything, Karen, although that does not preclude you from talking in this group. I think there. I've hardly ever met a mother who shouldn't be canonized. There should just be like. There should just be a. Yes, I know. Hey, welcome, Kirby. I didn't see you there. (laughs) And pride goes before a fall. So go ahead, Karen. What comes next? (laughs) 
I'm going to have to, but listen, this is going to take a marker and some chalk. I can't, I, I, well, let's do that. You know, brushing up my, my current Israeli cabinet history. I don't think I could name the American cabinet, uh, Karen, but they have a prime minister and, and um, they have a cabinet like we do. The interesting thing is, is they also have a democracy, but it's fragmented. It's so fragmented with so many parties that sometimes the smallest parties have the biggest um, impact because they can, you know, if it's 49 to 49, two votes from your two-vote party makes a big difference to win the majority. But that's about, that's about all I'll say. Just keep, keep praying for them. It's, uh, it's such an interesting time there right now, especially with the president having been over there. I mean, well, never mind. Okay, so, um, okay, good. What else have we got to do? I put in your, for your, oh, yeah, a couple of cleanup things. So you may, on each of the tables, although I'm not disparaging, I just didn't have enough. On each of the tables, and uh, I didn't want to have to open them all with my teeth because they weren't easy open, there's these prayer deals. I've given these out from time to time in the past. It's an easy way to structure your prayers. If you want some for your family, take them. Same people in the seats if you want some. Sometimes people ask how to structure their prayers and how you know, to do that. That's a very easy thing right from the hymnal. You know, take that and do that. I thought there's been some very good advice over the past couple of weeks given in terms of structuring your prayer. I have an extra one here, so I might have... Uh, let, me, let me give you two or three questions that have come by email. or come, Let me clump those questions together. One was, I don't know if you heard in the gospel for this morning where Jesus said, um, the ruler of this world is about to be cast down. And then he ties that to when I'm lifted up on the cross. So that's a very interesting thing. It tells you a couple of things. One is that Satan is presently, temporarily, the ruler of this world. It also tells you that the cross, you know, does him, uh, strikes him a mortal blow. It takes him a long time to die. So we're in this in-between time where the cross has struck this mortal blow against Satan. He still can exercise some power, but he can't have total power over you so long as you continue to be touched by holy things, which is why it's so important to go to church, okay? So because the holy things touch you there and strengthen you and inoculate you against the things that Satan would do to you. But it is extraordinarily important for you to remember that Satan is still ruler of this world in the time between Eden and the new Eden. And it said that in the gospel for today. So Jesus says, the ruler of this world will be cast down, even as I am lifted up. It's right in the middle of the gospel, if you want to go back and look at it. That explains to you why, um, and it's been very interesting, I've had some people who have had great success over the past couple of months with their prayers and with fasting. I've also had people write, written I've also had people who have written me who have been very troubled with a range of things, from just simply struggling with it to being disappointed when it didn't work to wondering why it's so difficult. Okay, so here's the deal. This is so important for you to remember. If Satan is presently ruler of the world, though mortally wounded, okay, still has some power, uh, a, a large amount of power, and can still attack, if Satan has this power... The trouble with us is that what we consider normal is actually abnormal. So the normal things would be to pray, to fast, to have thanksgiving, to celebrate the Eucharist, to baptize, to forgive sins. Those would be the normal things. Those things are seen as abnormal by the world. Um, okay? So one of you sent me this genius of an of a of an NPR, I'm going to run it in a couple of weeks as the, probably two or three weeks out, as soon as I can get it edited up, I'm going to run it for you as the welcome. But it was a question that was repeated again and again with the new pope. It came in various ways, but it basically said, okay, good, new pope, now shouldn't the 
shouldn't the church change? You know, shouldn't the church change on, you know, on its uh, on contraception, on women, on uh, you know all the things that people think the church should change on? And you know, it was a very calm, very considered answer. But underneath that answer was, and I, I don't, did any of you see the thing with the nuns on sixty minutes last week? It was exactly the same story. This story has played out a dozen times since the new pope was. Everybody wants to know how the church should change. It was uh, a rather unfair piece in 60 Minutes, but I actually felt a little sorry for Bob Simon when he did the piece because he's such a modern, he cannot understand. And this is, this is the key. He, cannot, he presumes that the church is a social organization that wants to survive. Okay? When you ask the question, shouldn't the church change so a lot of people will join, a couple things have happened. The NPR woman pointed this out very crisply. She said mainline Protestantism tried that in the 20th century, and they're all dying. Anybody who went that way is dying, right? Which is basically, we've given you the other side of that coin and said what the postmodern world wants is things that are ancient, things that are certain, things that are beautiful, things that are bigger than they are, things that gather you into community and don't leave you as an individual. So see, when people from the outside abnormally look at the church, they look at the church and they say, you need to change to be like us. You know, you need to back gay marriage. You need to have non-celibate priests. You need to... All, and, and, you know, you can argue about the, about the doctrines and the policy, but the hermeneutic, the presupposition that the church is, you're strange and you need to be like us. And you know what the church, of course, is saying to them? What's the church saying? You're strange, and you need to be like us. And so this very pregnant um, comment of Luther where he says once, in the midst of all his troubles, evil calls good things evil, and good calls evil things... Uh, just the one side, he says, evil calls good things evil. Right? So good calls evil what it is, but evil calls good things evil. It's very important. When you're, sort of, when you're blinded by what's demonic, by what's sinful... Your reason is corrupted, your heart is corrupted, you can't see. So you ask the wrong questions. Shouldn't the church change? And the, and the answer is no, because God doesn't change. God gives us these things as gift. Now, the interpretation, the application, um, you know, even the, even the new pope, when somebody brought up celibacy, sort of, he made everybody nervous because he bumped the door open just a little bit. Did you see that? He had a little comment where he said, instead of saying, this is divine, he said, it's worked well for us for a thousand years. That's a very different answer, right? That's a very, very different answer than this is, you know, what the Lord said. And you have a little trouble arguing because, of course, Peter was married, the first pope if you're Catholic, right? So your first guy was married. They went to Jesus, went healed Peter's mother-in-law, right? So it's just, it's just a very interesting time. The reason you struggle with your prayers, the reason you struggle with fasting, the reason you struggle with tithing, the reason you struggle with thanksgiving, the reason you struggle coming to church, you know, the reason you struggle with anything is that you're weird, okay? That's the reason why. I mean, because the world suggests that you should be unmerciful, self-interested. Um, but Jesus says to you, and that's how the ruler of the world acts. My people who follow me are supposed to be merciful, kind, generous, forgiving, you know, hold your tongue, be patient, do the best you can for other people, turn the other cheek, let yourself be crucified, believe in a resurrection, live in thanksgiving. That's not normal. Someday you'll be normal. Congratulations. But right now the world 
the world is all screwed up so you look strange to them. What's evil? The world calls you who are good, calls you who are good, evil. They say to you, you're evil, you're confused, you're stupid, you don't know what you're doing. Um, that's the reason you struggle so much with, that's why fasting seems so countercultural. That's why praying seems so countercultural. I mean, the very, and I thought um, Dr. Justeff was very helpful. For example, when he didn't come in and say, all of you should pray Vespers, all of you should pray Matins, all of you should pray Lauds and Terse, he didn't say that. It, it was very carefully done. He basically said, you know, Jesus, um, you know, was, was nailed up at 9 a.m., the world went dark at noon, and he died at 3, so the church has traditionally paused at those moments to say, a prayer in the Our Father would be good enough. That's a very easy way to structure your life. At 9 and noon and 3, if you take 30 seconds to say the Our Father, you can change the world. That's kind of a very easy thing that anybody can do. The other thing I want to say to you is your struggles would be normal. Um, you're going to fail with your fasting. Uh, you're going you're to be cranky if you do succeed at your fasting because you're not used to it. Things are going to go wrong. People aren't going to understand. You're going to wonder if, you're wor- if it's worth it or not. It's going to be difficult for you. When it is difficult, remember that the, that the primary point of these things is to jiggle your world a little bit. If you get comfortable in an abnormal world, it means you're abnormal. So these things that we do, even for a season, like fasting or praying, it jiggles your world. Nobody else, nobody else you know, stops to pray at 9, noon, and 3. You know, but if you stop, it jiggles your world and it remi- reminds you who you are. I'm baptized. I'm forgiven. I take the Eucharist. I live in thanksgiving. I need to be merciful. Jesus says, follow me. It's important to be generous. It's important to see forward and live toward where we're going. Right? You're strangers in a very strange world. Right? That's what, that's what your world looks like. That's the reason you struggle. Um, so when the struggles come, try not to worry about it quite so much. I had some, they weren't, they were uh, emails that were just a bit overcharged about, I'm trying this and it's so difficult for me. The answer is, relax. And that's what we're going to talk about, failing in your prayers. But relax, because you're going to fail in coming to church. You're going to fail in mercy. You're going to fail a lot. The key is not to just pound yourself about that. The key is to say, that's because I'm sinful, and this is really a thing to recognize and try to move away from, to be forgiven of and to try to do better. David. Okay, one of the things I've noticed uh, culturally over the last several decades in the movie culture, when a religion is addressed frequently, besides an unhealthy um, uh, fascination with the evil, there's the idea that God only exists so long as we believe in, believe in this. Right. We stand as a church saying God is whether we believe in him or not. Right. So, you know, the old, the old thing, you know, um, God is man thinking about God thinking about man. You know, we created him. He's our creation. And you only created him because you're too weak to stand up and say there's not a God. Right. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You can start. If, you, if that's what... Um, here's the thing. At the end of the day, everybody pays their money and takes their choice. But uh, at some point... You know, people can believe what they want, and the great thing about Lutheran being Lutheran is you don't have to bang them in the nose over that. However, it also means, A, that I get to believe what I want, and B, 
The penalty for not changing is to remain the way you are. So you can believe that, but how's the world working out? I mean, the 20th century was the most miserable, genocidal, unfair, you know, anti-environmental, murderous um, century ever. So we got worse. Exactly. So we got worse, not better. Um, so, you know, you can, you can thump that drum all day long, but if you look around the world, the world is a horrible place and getting worse. And I, and I would agree with you. I mean, I can't, even the things that my own kids watch, you know, they don't watch a ton of TV, but I'm stunned by how much I walk in and just the sh sheer amount of violence, evil, um, kind of oppression, especially against women. Uh, I'm just about to, you know, become a feminist because here's the thing. Um, you know, at my age, when I was younger, many of, the women, many of the women I knew, especially in academia, were very strong feminists. At least they held the mark. For goodness sakes, women today, what they allow, how they allow men to talk to them and treat them is really quite stunning. If you don't believe me, go home and watch half an hour of MTV today. You know, um, just, just, watch, you just watch five rap videos in a row and you'll be fine. You'll get what I'm talking about. The same with violence on television and every place else. It's really quite remarkable. Um, so, you know, we take truth where we can find it. Okay, so you're weird, but don't worry. You're weird in rebellion against a weirder world. So you're less weird than the world. Go with that, okay, for the rest of Holy Week. Okay, good? Um, there'll be services all week, as you know. Monday, Thursday, there's private confession if you want to come. I think it's 4 to 5 on Tuesday through Friday. Um, you know, there's services all the way through. By the way, what we found out this morning is that six horns in the balcony is enough to make your ears hurt. <laughs> Which is really great, because we didn't know what that number was, but now we know it's six. <laughs> so on days when we want to turn it up to 11, you know, we know, we know what to do. Uh, it was quite remarkable. Even where I was, I was like, man, that is loud. Which I'm actually not complaining about. I'm complimenting it. It was actually fun loud. It was like, wow. That, all those hard services and those big horns. So the music was fabulous. Thank you very much for that this morning. That was nice, all of you who played. Uh, okay, I know that's a lot, of, a lot of catching up. I have one more thing I want to answer about something that I said, which two or three or four people have answered, asked me about, so I want to make sure that I clean it up. I told you this story last time about going to the king and you give him your request and it becomes his request and not your request. Um, then uh, the proper... And I think it was a kind and well-meaning response was, yeah, so for example, I'm praying for my kid. My kid is sick. I pray once and it's just, I can't pray once and just forget about it. Yeah, I, I, so yes, that is true. Um, and that di isn't what I m meant to suggest, so let me just push it down the line a little bit. So my child is sick. My child is in the hospital. I pray. We take the analogy that Jesus is this king and when he receives your request, he takes it as his own and it no longer belongs to you. Um, how do you think about that? Um, you think about it this way. You continue to pray about it, but now you're um, checking on his problem. Okay? Um, you're, not, uh, you're not having him check on your problem. Does that make sense? With the first prayer, he's checking on your problem. When he receives your prayer, now you're checking on his problem. And as I often say, when people's children are in trouble, in any range of trouble from being you know, sick to being in jail, I mean, I try to think about this with my own children as well, Jesus is just better with kids than we are. He's just better, I mean, let the children come to me, and you know, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
Jesus is just better with children than you and I are. He's just better. He's a better brother. He's a better parent. He's a better godparent. He's just better than we are, which means you should be happy about that and know that when you pray, you're checking on his children. You're checking on his problems. You're not um, asking him to take your problems anymore. Does that little twist help you? So that's how you continue to pray in faithfulness. You're checking back with him. How's the project going? How, how are my kids doing? How, how are you doing raising my kids? It would be something like that. There's a whole advantage here of somebody to blame, I think, but I don't know how that'll play out. But that's what you're saying to him. You're saying, um, and it was so, you know, I think back to other stuff that John Kleinig had said about the demonic and evil, and, you know, we don't dig for dirt, and we don't look for things, and we don't presume the worst, and we, what we can really do for people is to pray for them. You all know, it's very, you can't control another person. You don't believe that come at the next service and see what happens around the font with the kids. I mean, we tell them all, you're going to stand here, you're going to hold your palm, you're going to stay inside the circle, it's all going to be great. It's chaos. You can't control them, right? I mean, you can't control another person. You can't control your own kid. You can't control your spouse. You can't control anybody else. You can love them and you can pray for them. You can bump them and you can nudge them. You can nourish them. You can be merciful to them. But you can't control them except for a very short time and by a desperate use of force. And that's not the way of Jesus. So Jesus is going to go go get crucified this week rather than control people. I mean, he'd rather die than make you believe in him. He'd rather die than make, show you by force that he's the son of God. He just won't do it. That was the gospel for today. They're like, hey, the Christ is supposed to live forever. The son of God is not supposed to die. or The son of man is not supposed to die. Jesus is like, when I'm lifted up, maybe it'll get clear to you. Very interesting stuff. Okay, how you doing, okay? I was just trying to clean up a lot of messes and kind of pull things together, but I feel like I was talking way too fast. Um, But in any case, you live in a strange world. You're pushing against the darkness. The darkness is going to push back. That's normal, not abnormal. So when you fail in your fasting, just try it again. When you fail in your prayers, keep going. If you miss church, confess that and come back. You know, if you've been miserly, you know... um, Go to the vicar's new website and hit Donate Now. Um, <laughs> it's just so easy. These are the ch- things in the church are just so easy to fix. It's just unbelievably easy, okay? You good? All right, anything else? All right, at least I want to try to finish up just the thing I've given you, this Friends of the King. If you, um, you know, last week what I, where I left you was this notion that Luther talks about how life is ordered, um, that we all have our different places where we stand. And frankly, if you observe this, one of the good things about it, you know, we might disagree with how many, how many orders there are. He said there's three. There's the family, um, there's the government and the church. I mean, this is just a big way to think about your life. You know, there's orders, and then underneath you have a station. You know, I'm a father, I'm a husband, you know, I'm an uncle, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Those are my stations. And each of those I have jobs to do. I get to write tuition checks for college, you know. I get to pray for you, um, you know. I, the, I get to make sure that the, the Eucharist is celebrated. Those, you know, I get to love my wife. Those are things I'm, I get to do given. And we're all different, you know. We all sort of, you, have, you all have things that you're supposed to do in each of those three places too. One of the interesting things about that is um, I don't raise your daughter. Uh, you know what? I mean, not that I don't like you. It's just I'm full up. I'm tapped out. I got nothing left, okay? Actually, this would probably be good for you because I probably would just lie on the couch, kind of drool a little bit and say, whatever you want, Mal, do whatever you want. Here's the car keys. Did you get your license? 
You got your, did you get your? You know, you, if that doesn't work out, the shites will teach you to drive. Don't worry about that. You've got a lot of experience with that. They would love to. They would, Mr. Wayne Shite on a stick shift? Come on, think about it. This is going to be great. All right. So, um, you know, partly what you're supposed to do is think about uh, what you're supposed to do. It, it helps you keep your nose out of other people's business, too. Um, you know, you don't parent somebody else's kids. Um, you know, you don't second-guess somebody else at their job. Um, you give people freedom for what they want to do politically, so long as it's not detrimental to the, to the, to the, to the broader thing. Um, everybody has a place, and everybody has a responsibility, and that's where you're supposed to do your work. Um, you remember we started by talking about how you, and this was the more important part, which is God loves you so much that he lets you play along. One of the ways he lets you play is to pray, and you're especially meant to pray for those people who are within your, within your sphere. So you especially pray for... Um, see, I don't, see this, is, this is all very interesting. Um, you know, I'm going to be an old man now, so I have to think about you know, what I'm going to do the rest of my life. Um, when I tell Kirby we're going to move to Italy, she doesn't believe me, but I have an apartment picked out. Uh, just off Venice, there's that little island, and I saw where the sheets are hung out. That would be a good place. Um, so, so, I mean, we all have to kind of think about where we're going. But I, I wonder, too, um, if you talk to your evangelical friends, and this always happens, if you talk to evangelical pastors and they tell you what their job description is, um, they have a very different model of things. They say, for example, you know, they expect me to spend about 20 hours a week on my Bible study and about 15 hours a week on my sermon. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but it's very difficult in a bigger church to get to the pastor often in some evangelical churches, because what they expect the pastor to do is basically write a sermon, write a Bible study, and um, maybe do a few administrative things around the side, kind of keep things organized. Lutherans are are better and weirder than that, because Lutherans expect your pastor to, you know, kind of run the place and go to meetings and be here on Sunday and do a lot of things. And almost as an afterthought, they say, and oh yeah, write a sermon or write a Bible study, and then I'll give you this one and pray for the congregation. So it would be very interesting. I've often, you know, my prayers for you, I have to admit, over the 15 years and probably the 20 years I've been a pastor, my prayers for you have been scattered. And the less, um, you know, scattered's not really right. They've been, they come at regular times, but they certainly don't come with the frequency or the intensity that one might think of. Um, And that's partly because of the demands of, of the way Lutherans kind of organize things um, and don't kind of think through. So if I said to you, here, here would be an interesting thing. If I said to you, you know, part of my job, so if you think I come for eight hours, part of my job would be to spend an hour or two every day praying for the congregation and praying for you. Would you see that as valuable work or would you see that as sort of shirking duty? This is because I have to tell you, I've never had in all the call documents I've ever seen for myself and for other people, I've never ever seen in Lutheran call documents where it says the pastor should spend an hour a day praying for praying for his people or two hours a day praying for his people. It's very interesting, isn't it? Because we talk a lot about how much we think about prayer and how much we want it, but we don't. Catholics actually would do this too. Catholics are, would expect the priest to sit at the altar for some portion of his day and pray for his people. Evangelicals would expect that too. What happened to Lutherans? Why is that? Isn't that interesting? Because we talk about it a lot, but we don't institutionalize it. 
So partly what I'm thinking about kind of going forward is um, how to institutionalize that in myself. Usually what my prayers consist, consist of in terms of you are the general prayers for the church, um, the, your inclusion within the Lord's Prayer, people who are sick and people who are troubled. But it would be very interesting if um, your expectation of me was that I would spend a significant portion of my day praying for the congregation and would accept that and even demand it if it didn't happen. So I just pose that as a question. We, we talk about that we'd like prayer, but I have to say I've never seen, I've never seen a call document in the Lutheran Church that said, and the pastor should spend this amount of his time praying for the congregation. It's interesting, isn't it? Something to think about in ourselves. I mean, I have to think about myself, and you should think about... Um, and here's the thing. I'm not, I don't put this to you in any sort of cranky way. It's kind of, I know that if I, um, if I said to you, if things got to the point where I said to you, you know, I'm going sit, to go sit twice a day for half an hour and pray for you, nobody here would say, you know, don't do that. But it wouldn't be... It would need to be in addition to everything else I did, you see. So you have to think about whether you... You have to think about whether you think that's a valuable exercise. And in the same way, I, you know, this is partly what I've said to you over this whole thing about prayer. Partly what we've talked about is I'm trying to convince you that it's a valuable exercise in your day or a normal part of your day as a priest in the church, the priesthood of all believers. They sacrifice, they pray. I'm trying to convince you that that praying is integral to what it means to you to be a Christian, right? Even though it's it's um, terribly difficult for us. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Not to diminish the, your prayer for us, but Well said. Um, so uh, basically, I've shortened it to this comment, which is teaching you to pray is is as valuable, or perhaps more valuable than praying for you. Mm-hmm. I would think that maybe it's a both and. Um, because what can happen is that teaching you to pray can become very theoretical, right? So a lot of people talk about um, mercy in the church, but they don't live mercifully. A lot of people talk about giving in the church, but they don't live in a generous kind of way. A lot of people talk about Thanksgiving in the church, but you would never know by looking at them. And a lot of people talk about praying, but never pray, right? So I take your point as, an, as a valuable counterpoint, and I would just like to put an and in the middle rather than an or. So I should be talking to you about praying. In fact, I thought, um, so here's, I, here's what I was musing with on the way over this morning. Um, you know, there's a chance, at some point we'll staff back up when the money all straightens out. Um, you know, there's a chance the person we staff back up with will be a pastor, okay? So I was thinking to myself, if a new pastor came, and I said to my, if I said of the new pastor, I'm, and see, now I'm braver because I'm older. When I was younger, I would have been probably reluctant. It was probably stupid. I probably should have done it, and I didn't, for whatever reason. If I had a new pastor and I said to the new pastor, part of your job responsibility at St. John is to go to the altar at 9 and 3 and pray for the congregation for half an hour. I was thinking to myself on the way over this morning whether that would be an acceptable thing, whether a new pastor would accept that and also whether the congregation would accept that. Whether well, that would become the normal course of events, you know. Oh, believe me, if you pray, it will absolutely wreck you. I mean, it'll wreck you in terms of being miserly. It'll wreck you in terms of being a smarty pants, bossy pants. It'll wreck you in terms of, it'll wreck you if you actually pray. Because 
Why? Because God will actually answer those prayers. That was the very first thing we said, is that no, no, bad, no bad thing can be done in prayer. And if a pagan tries to pray, what will happen? God will turn him into a Christian. Because you can't take the name of God on your lips with any seriousness and not be converted by the Holy Spirit. It's crazy stuff. So it's a different way to think about the world. I gotta, we got to run because we started late. Everything's about 11 minutes behind today, but the good news is it's only 11 minutes behind, okay? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we were exactly the amount that we stood around the font. Anyway, the service was great. The kids were great. There's more kid noise. You know why there's more kid noise? Which is a, that is a great answer. That is exact. I'm like, you know why? Because when I'm standing at the altar, I'm like, hey, that's a kid voice I don't recognize. <laughs> or cry, you know, you, you know, it's like, you know, you, you know your dogs by how they howl, you know, in the same way. Uh, you know, that's like, there's a kid crying. I don't, that's a kid's voice. I don't know that kid. There was actually a kid crying in the first verse. I'm like, that is, this is great because that's a kid cry that I don't know, which means there's a new kid in the house somewhere. See, here's the thing. So don't, you know what? Just, you want them to come to church, love them, okay? If you want them to come to church, love them up. Um, then, they'll, then they'll come back to you. Be the one place where, you know, they feel free to be uh, who they are, kind of, you know, sins and all. Okay, we got to go. Nothing next week, so take the week off. Spend with your friends, spend with your family. Um, finish your fasting through the week. Um, try to find a time for your prayers, even if, it's, even if it's one of those times. Even if you just say at noon... Just even if you add to lunch the Our Father. I mean, just, just bit by bit, you know, you push back the darkness. Bit by bit. You know, stay with it just bit by bit, and it will change you. It's the most remarkable thing. And what will happen is by the time you get to be, you know, an old man or an old woman, if you stay with it, you'll be unrecognizable to who you were when you were 20 or 30. It just, it just will change. It'll just become... People who, it, it's just fascinating, even over the time I've been here, the, one of the really great things is to see how people have been changed by their prayers, how people have been changed by their mercy, how people have been changed by their giving, how all of that stuff has worked. It's just that with Jesus, it's always more, and training the next generation. So, you know, you people, Byron people your age, have, you, have to get, you have a responsibility to get to people who are 35-ish, and also to their kids. You've got to get to both of them, right? You've got to get to both of them. Um, so there's a lot to do. All right, here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Thank you. Um, See you through the week.